Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and everybody in between, welcome down to another edition, oh, episode. I'll get it one day. Why do I say edition? Because I'm a raging moron. Uh, another episode of the Jake Botel Football Experience. I could go back and redo it, but you know what? This is an organic experience, and I give you guys the truth and nothing but the truth, even when it makes me look completely unprofessional. Joined in studio today by Minnesota Jack. How are you? I'm good. That is well, yes. as it should be. Well, a little bit of time has passed since the uh, championship round, but we're going to recap it. We're going to look back into Titans at Chiefs and the 49ers hosting the Packers. Let's get into it. The JBFE Championship Round Recap. And we will start by diving into the AFC side of things. The first game that was played, the Tennessee Titans traveling to Kansas City to take on the rising red ocean of the Kansas City Chiefs. And the Chiefs came with a plan to stop the run. They didn't stop it, but they slowed it, limiting Derrick Henry to just 3.63 yards per carry, well down on his previous averages during the playoffs of 5 and 6 yards a carry. The Chiefs weathered an early storm from the Titans Mm. before pulling away to what ended up as a pretty comfortable win. I'll throw to you for your initial takeaways from Mm. this game. I thought that the Titans early on were showing not great signs, but good signs. Mm-hmm. Signs that this is going to be close, this is going to be competitive. Maybe the Titans will go ahead and win this game. But it didn't take long for me to realise, uh-oh, Derrick Henry isn't having the performance that he needs mm-hmm. to win the game for the Titans. And everyone was hyping up Derrick Henry and going, oh, he's going to rush for four touchdowns and you know, 300 rushing yards and, and that, which is not, a, for any other running back, that would be ridiculous. It's not that ridiculous for Derrick Henry. But watching that game and seeing him have just an okay game, I think fairly early on, I think around we got to halftime, I was like, this is probably the Chiefs. Because we know how offensively powerful the Chiefs are. And the fact that the Titans weren't playing their best game, because to me that was the scenario in which the Titans would beat the Chiefs, was they had to have their best game. And that's very possible. They really could have done that. But they just didn't. And when they were showing signs of that, it seemed pretty clear to me that Kansas City was just too too powerful on both sides of the ball. Like, we know how well they play offensively, but the fact that they slowed down Derrick Henry so much just shows that they have a defense that you could argue is almost just as valuable as their offense. And, and the thing with the Chiefs too, I think, is always the... the and it's where I think the, the beauty and the advantage of being aggressive um, on offense is in that you're always worried about what... And every time we've talked about it, and we've started talking a little bit about the Super Bowl and that sort of thing, you're always talking about, oh, the potential of this Chiefs offense to do destructive and terrible things to your defense. And, and I think that 
the spectre of the Chiefs' offense really hangs over a game and hangs over the opposition. Uh, and it's where they hurt you because they can score so quickly, because they're so efficient. You constantly have that in the back of your mind that no lead that you can get is insurmountable. And so you feel that you've got to play beyond your usual means of attack. And I mean, that feeling is often validated because you've only got to go back to the Texans game where the Chiefs laid down 28 points in about nine minutes after being down 24 to nothing. You know, the Titans get up 10 to nothing early on here in Kansas City. But there's this sense of urgency of like, this is not nearly enough of a lead to feel comfortable sitting and running the rest of the, the game out. You know, the, the Titans get up 14 to 7 on the Ravens or, or um, you know, they manage to get ahead against the Patriots and you sort of feel like, well, if they can run for a few first downs here, they're going to chunk off large sections of the clock and make it really hard for New England or make it really hard for Baltimore. Not so with the Chiefs. And I think that showed in terms of the run-pass balance. So, point of interest for me, the Titans ran the ball 40 times and 37 times against the Patriots and the Ravens, but they ran it just 23 times against the Chiefs. Ryan Tannehill threw the ball more than he has at any other time during the playoffs. And, you know, there's been a lot of media focus on Tannehill and did his stat line look good enough for a quarterback playing for a conference championship. But the bottom line was that you know, the Tennessee Titans in this loss were limited to 85 yards on the ground, well below their totals of 201 and 217 in their previous two games. I get that there's a case that we can't expect the running game to do everything. But I actually thought Tannehill was, was pretty decent um, for the Titans in this spot. I think he completed 21 of 31 for a bit over 200 yards, uh, threw a couple of touchdowns. You know... Didn't turn the ball over. I just think that, you know, I think something that we we haven't perhaps looked at as much with Tennessee is, you know, could their defense be something that actually needs some work, you know, over the course of the offseason? Because, you know, um, and as we'll talk about with the Packers as well, you know, the the defenses of these teams sometimes get overlooked um, in terms of when when we portion out the blame because we're so focused on this offense. They didn't score 35 points or whatever. Well, you know, your defense gave up 30-odd, or in the te- in the Texans' case, your defense gave up 50. So yeah. um, what were your feelings about Tannehill coming away from this game? A little bit frustrating in okay. that I really thought... I really wanted Tannehill when the game seemed to be not going Derrick Henry's way. And, and it was noticeable for me in the second half. Mm. I feel like we barely saw Derrick Henry. Yeah, like, no, they ran a lot more at the all. start. Mm. So what I wanted to see from Tannehill was go, I'm going to put this team on my back, which is what he tried to do, mm. but then actually be successful with it. He didn't, and it's not that he's not capable of it, but in that game he just didn't do what he had to do to play as a quarterback to win that game. But I know that he's the sort of quarterback, he's accurate, he throws well, he's a good athlete, and I was wanting him to go, all right, Henry's not having the game that we need, I'm going to step up, I'm going to throw some big passes, I'm going to catch Kansas City on the heels, let's go. He tried, but it just wasn't successful, and it was sort of frustrating to watch, because it's like, Tannehill, you can do it. This just wasn't the game where he was able to. Well, it's interesting you say, you know, like, you know, it's not that he's not capable. I would even possibly argue the point that 
Um, we talked a bit last week about uh, thermometer versus thermostat quarterbacks mm. and all that sort of yeah. thing. And I saw a really great tweet um, from Bucky Brooks of the Around the Sticks. Um, Around the Sticks. Move the Sticks <laughs> NFL podcast. I'm mixing I like up that title. Around the Sticks, you know. Around the Sticks. Here in Australia, talking mm. football. Around the Sticks. Um, he, he put up, you know, a, a post, a tweet to the effect that, you know, there's only a handful of legitimate franchise quarterbacks in the league. And a franchise quarterback to him, and I'm paraphrasing, is basically someone who can do that. Who can go, let's go, you're on my back now, and we're going to win this game. I personally don't think Tannehill is that, is that quarterback. I don't think hmm. he is capable of that. Um, I think that there's a difference between a guy like, say... Tannehill, I think Ryan Fitzpatrick fits into this mold. They're guys who can get on a hot streak, mm. right? But that's a different thing to being able to stick your boot in the ground and go, no, we're turning the momentum of a game around and I'm going to use my will to dominate this yeah. game. It's a different thing. They can get on this run of momentum and I feel like Tannehill is a similar quarterback to Fitzpatrick in that way. These guys sometimes, they get hot. Mm. And suddenly, like, they can't do anything wrong. They're just throwing touchdowns. But I don't necessarily know that that's anything that they're in control of. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mm-hmm. think sometimes something just starts clicking and they get in their groove and things start happening. Quarterbacks like Aaron Rodgers of the past, though I thought that got shown up a couple of yeah. times this season. Patrick Mahomes yep. is this now. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say Russell Wilson. I think he can do that really well. Good call, Russell Wilson. Um, and now I know I'm a Steelers homer. <laughs> Roethlisberger before, I mean, last season, there's still you still have games where, uh, one in particular against Jacksonville, where he threw three picks, three or four picks, mm-hmm. in the first three quarters of the game. Yeah. And they were down, I think, I think it might have been 14 or 16 to 3 or something mm-hmm. like that. And last quarter throws two touchdowns, you know, throws for the bulk of his yards in the second half of the third quarter and the fourth quarter and goes over 300 yards, brings them back into the game and then actually dives in for the, for the winning touchdown um, with, you know, seconds to go on the clock. There are these quarterbacks across the league, but there aren't many of them that can decide we're going to win this game Mm -hmm. and they go out and make it happen. I don't think that is Tannehill. Yeah. I think... That, but that's not to say that Ryan Tannehill can't win a Super Bowl. That's not to say that the Tennessee Titans shouldn't be looking to re-sign him because he does fit in that, that mould of quarterback where, you know, he's still very good. Yeah. You know, and, and I think... He has the talent. He does, and he's, you know, he's leads the league and led the league, I believe, in passing yard, um, yards per attempt. Uh, I believe he led the league in... Um, completion percentage mm-hmm. could be wrong there I'm not sure but you know he was quite accurate and he, and, he, and he was a good vertical threat I just think that in a lot of ways he's going to go as the team goes yeah and to an extent you look at a quarterback like Jimmy G mm. I don't know yet that Jimmy Dr- Jimmy G is one of those quarterbacks yeah that but that doesn't mean he's not going to win a Super Bowl. That doesn't yeah. mean he's not going to win three or four Super Bowls and have game-winning moments. I just think that if you if Tennessee feels they need a quarterback who is going to be able to 
willing, willfully put the team on his back and say, let's ride. I don't think that's Tannehill, but I don't think that's what they need. Mm. I think this is a strong team that with a few small additions, you know, could, could do, you know, something equal again next year. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think a big part of, you know, Tanne- or quarterbacks like Tannehill going mm. on that hot streak, I think that can quickly be ended by what we saw, mm. which is their own team's defense. Because mm. we saw how well the defense was against the Patriots. Mm. We saw how well the defense was against the Ravens. Mm. And you can say, like, oh, yeah, but the Patriots' offense wasn't great or the Ravens wasn't. Mm. That's definitely an aspect. But a bad defense doesn't stop those teams. Mm. right? So the Titans did have a good defense. And I think as a quarterback on that team, there's a little bit less stress. It's like, mm. I just need to have a good drive here. I'm The team isn't relying on me because the defense is holding up their... Mm their portion of the game. Mm. But when there's a game against the Chiefs where the defense isn't doing great, mm. then all of a sudden Tannehill's like... And not just that, but also Derrick Henry isn't holding his part of the game. It's like, oh, now it's all on me. Mm. And that's the point where the hot streak, it, it, it gets blown out, and now it's up to you being that franchise quarterback. And you're right, I don't think he's there yet. But he, he's he's like nearly there. I feel like just a few a few more games or a few more seasons. I feel like he he has the potential, but I don't see it right now. I think he's a good quarterback, who who he's a very good quarterback in the right system. Obviously, yeah. like as as he's shown it, but he's gonna fit in best in situations like say a team like the Chicago Bears. Mm-hmm. Like to an extent, the Tennessee Titans. He would probably fit in well in a in a team like the Forty Niners. Mm-hmm. Teams that have strong defenses. It's what the Bears probably needed last year, mm-hmm. last season, season before, last season. You know, instead of Trubisky, get a guy like Tannehill in there who you know has a high completion percentage. You know, can be a vertical threat. He can run a little bit, mm. but. He's got a couple rushing touchdowns to his name. Yeah, you don't want a guy you know who's going to turn the ball over so much. I, th- I think what you're looking for for Tannehill, you plug him into a team, you just ask him not to kill you with turnovers, yeah. pass for a couple of touchdowns you know, every few games, and I think you can ride with Tannehill to a championship you know, quite easily. There are worse quarterbacks who have won Super Bowls. Yeah. Um, so I wouldn't put... I, I just... The, the problem with the quarterback position is it's incredibly hard to evaluate because they get all the money. Yeah. And that's going to be the question now heading into this offseason. You've got, De- I mean, and it's a perfect scenario to look at this. You've got Derek Henry and you've got Ryan Tannehill. Who are you paying? Mm. And how are you paying? Yeah. You know, and there are so many examples, as I said to you via text now, where teams are a little bit gun shy of giving their running back quarterback style money. Because the workload, and it's, this is a you know weird thing, it's a self-inflicted thing. Teams work these running backs overtime, mm-hmm. you know, and then you pay them and they drop off. <sighs> I don't know what you do because you you want to keep Henry, um, and he he deserves deserves to be paid. Particularly his last two seasons where he's gone over a thousand yards. I think he's had fifteen touchdowns in each of the last mm-hmm. two seasons. Um, you know, he's kind of the fulcrum of your offense, but you know, teams are, teams are wary now with examples like Le'Veon Bell, Todd Gurley, particularly 
getting these massive multi-year contracts, um, you know, you then maybe don't have the weapon you had previously if, if injury comes or just workload catches up mm. with them. Well, another thing to consider as well as to why it's so difficult being a quarterback is that there there are some situations where there isn't the case, mm. but I think that for the most part, this is how the game works. Mm. Your talent as a quarterback can really only be exhibited if you're supported by good receivers mm. or a good offensive line. And so you, you can even run into a situation where you go, yeah, let's sign Tannehill and you know give him all this money and all that. And despite the fact that he still has this talent, he hasn't lost it, it's not like he's dropped off, but if his receivers aren't catching the ball, if his offensive line is getting run over, then all of a sudden you don't have a productive quarterback. So there's even, there's like pros and cons as always with both signing or not signing Derrick Henry, mm. but also with signing or not signing Tannehill because they don't seem to have any star receivers. Doesn't mean they don't have good receivers, but I mean like there's a different category. You've got like good talented and then there's like reliable playmaking receivers. I can't think of any that the Titans have that I would personally put in that category. Mm. And that is a little bit of a worry because that way if you have if that's the case, you've got Tannehill and he might be really talented, but if he's not getting receivers who are catching mm. the ball that he's throwing, mm. then how good of a quarterback can you be? That's yeah, and and, and it's he's a guy that needs to be have some of those extra weapons. They've obviously got Brown, who was their primary target, I believe caught for over a thousand yards this season. But you need you need multiple threats mm. for him in that offense. Um it, and and you know as far as you know do you re-sign him or not the, the question is well did you just luck into a you know top 16 you know top top half of the league quarterback because yeah. they got him for peanuts from mm-hmm. the Miami Dolphins yeah. he's just led you to the playoffs after you started 1 and 4 or 2 and 4 or whatever it mm-hmm. was the question is who do you get if you don't sign him yeah who do you get? I think Drew Brees is more likely to retire than become an unsigned free agent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, do you want to get Philip Rivers? <laughs> do you want yeah. to get, you know, like some people have floated Tom Brady. I would probably take Tannehill over Tom Brady, to be honest, right now, where they are yeah. at in their careers. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, if you bring Brady into this scenario, well, you're asking a similar question of him that you are of Tannehill is, can he win you games without being surrounded by weapons? Well, that's the issue he had, he had with the Patriots, yeah. that he didn't have his, his targets. So yeah. he had the same exact issue. And Marcus Mariota, you can't go back to him. Yeah. Even, you know, like, so who do you, who do you bring in? You know, I, if Tannehill walks, or if you let Tannehill walk, he'll find another team. Mm-hmm. Easily. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's not going to be difficult. I would say, like someone like the Chicago Bears, if you get him in the in in the door, mm. even though you've got capital and, and pride invested in Trubisky, uh, I think Tannehill could start at several clubs yeah. in the NFL. So I just think sign him for sure. Sign him. That seems obvious, but obvious things don't often happen. <laughs> and as far as Henry goes, find a way to make it work. I don't know what that is. If you find a way to front load a contract so that you know you pay him heavily now. Mm-hmm. 
but he wants a long-term deal. So you, I, I, and I, again, this is my very ignorant knowledge of how how you know how players are going to want contracts structured, etc. But you know, if there's a way that you can, like with the Zeke Elliott deal, you know, he's the highest-paid running back in the league. Yeah, but not all of that's guaranteed money. Yeah. So on paper he is, but you know there there are there are ways for Jerry Jones and the Dallas Cowboys to climb out of that contract yeah. if he breaks down. Just find a way, find a way because he is one of the biggest threats in the game. And yes, you can live in your fears and say, oh, he might get injured, he might do this. Yeah, he might, or you might let a twenty-six-year-old Derrick Henry go, and some other team yeah. signs him up, yeah. and suddenly he's rushing for a thousand yards a season, and you look back and go, well, we should have kept him. And it's not even as if. There's like history, like oh, he had that dodgy injury. We don't want that to show up again. Like he hasn't had signs of that either. So it's sort of just assuming, and it's not like it's unlikely. Like he's a power running back. So the, I would be surprised if he doesn't get injured. But it's not as if he's got a history, and they're worried. Oh, we don't want that to show up yeah. in an awkward time. And what do you do? You can't live in fear all the time of what if, what if. You know, even though a, a lot of NFL franchises do it, and I get it. There's a lot of money invested. But at a certain point, you've got to, like I said, don't look a gift horse in the mouth. You've mm. lucked into having, you know, a top half of the league quarterback. And I think I think if I went through, I think Tannehill would feature in the top 16 if I made yeah. my list. Um, certainly top 20. Mm-hmm. Ride with him. And as far as Derrick Henry goes, you've got one of the most powerful running weapons in the league. Just add around them. Um, I just want to quickly... Um, fanboy about Patrick Mahomes um, and I figured talk a lot about the Tennessee Titans this week because they're gone now we're clearing yeah. the slate mm-hmm. of the Tennessee Titans Kansas City we're going to get stuck into and, and we'll glory over all of their wonders uh, in the next and episode there are many, <laughs> yeah. there are many wonders but I did want to, and I put up a post about this on Facebook and Instagram, but I wanted to just say how cool it is, Patrick Mahomes is probably the closest thing we have to a present day Brett Favre He's endlessly exciting to watch, can buy time to make the most ridiculous throws. He started to use his legs to good effect, particularly in this game against the Titans. That touchdown run was more of a bewildering trundle down the field, um, more than any sort of like uh, uh, Lamar Jackson dash. It was sort of like, oh my God, he just defied gravity and and physics and somehow he ended up in the end zone. Mm -hmm. This is a dude who can do special, special things with the football, and we should appreciate him because there is no guarantee that this will be the trajectory of his career forever. Um, you just don't know with, with athletes, and he may flame out in the Super Bowl against the furious might of this 49ers defense, but as of right now, I don't know that there's a better quarterback to watch uh, in the entirety of the NFL. He's a player who, to me, and I wrote this online, his talent transcends the context of his sport. So if you didn't know anything about the NFL and you're at a pub and you flick on a Chiefs game and you see Mahomes, Mahomes is going to pop out to you as, even if you know nothing of the NFL, you will understand instantly that this dude does special things and is, is a freak athlete. It's like, as I said, if you watch tennis and you flick on a Roger Federer match, you can easily understand, even in his age 38 season, that Roger Federer is an elite, uh, once-in-a-generation, once-in-a-lifetime, in some, to some degrees, tennis player. Um, there are these athletes in all sports that, regardless of whether you understand the context of what they're doing, you understand that what they're doing is impressive, and that is absolutely how I feel about Patrick Mahomes. Mm. Mm. Is this his third year, Mahomes, or fourth? Uh, it is his 
third year, second year starting. Third year, second year starting, and already he is. If if we awarded the MVP not on stats or performance, but more on like just overall performance, mm. I don't know if anyone comes close to Mahomes. Mm. He didn't have the the best year, mm. but you're absolutely right in that he's probably. As if I was a defensive coach, I'd be so worried mm. about having to face Mahomes more mm. than anyone else in the league. Mm. And yet he's in his early twenties. Like mm. I can only imagine anything can happen. Mm. He could drop off and become the worst quarterback. Who knows? But I, I wouldn't be surprised if he does become the greatest quarterback we've ever seen. Mm. If he continues on this trajectory, because he. he he can run well, and like I said, he's not like you know nifty and swift mm-hmm. like Lamar Jackson. But that that running that rushing touchdown, mm-hmm. it looked like he was Patrick Mahomes in you know playing rookie on Madden mm-hmm. and just running through and getting the right spins and all that sort of stuff and just willing his way through to get that touchdown. And his comeback against the Texans like that was totally led by mm-hmm. led by Mahomes. There's different factors and. Sure, the coach, you know, Andy Reid was was there and you know trying to rally up the the team, but that was totally Mahomes. Uh, yeah, and, he's, and you can you know he, yes, he's surrounded by great weapons. You have Tyreek Hill, who's probably the fastest player in the game. You've got Travis Kelsey, mm-hmm. etc. But you know, I, I, there is something about Mahomes. He's a he is a true franchise quarterback in the sense mm-hmm. of how he leads a team, how he can raise a team up. Um, and I think he's just incredibly, incredibly impressive. And as we said, you don't know where careers are going to go. Um, there's been a lot of great players who have, you know, a, few, a handful of mm. seasons that transcend into thing that we've seen in the game, and then nothing. Yeah. But I, I just think I can't think of a more perfect marriage of team and play caller and quarterback. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's a perfect system. It makes an argument for, for kids to be multi-sport athletes because I think he's able to make those throws because he comes from, you know, not just a footballing background. He comes from baseball where you can sling it on the side and, you know... You his side throws are, like, just as accurate as his proper throws. Yeah. It's insane. And the no-look throws that he does, I love them. Yeah. It's like, eyes are looking that one, he just swings it, it across. He's, he's a, and he has fun with it. I think, too, that it's a case for having an experienced quarterback to sit behind because in the 2017 yeah. season he sat for most of the year yeah. behind Alex Smith. I think he may have played one game at the end of the season. Um, and it's, yeah, it's, it makes an argument for teams like Cincinnati and Miami who are going to be trying to draft quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Don't kick your Andy Daltons and your, you know, um, Ryan Fitzpatrick's to the curb. Keep them around for another season, particularly in the case of Fitzpatrick who, you know, don't let him out of your building. Yeah. He's handy. And, he, and, and and the sort of guy who's going to be able to teach, you know, I think he's a very he's very comfortable in his yeah, own Yeah, and he skin. has a great beard. Yeah. Like, you don't want to get rid of that in the game. You want to see that when you're watching NFL. So we'll, we'll step quickly into the room of improvement for the Tennessee Titans. Um, what... So the room of improvement, obviously, is the uh, workshop that we step mm. into when a, when a team exits the season and we want to know what can they do 
between now and and the 2020 season to get back here or go better, what would you add for the Tennessee Titans? I w- takeaway. I would add a a greater offensive backup plan. Yep. If Henry is stopped, they need to have a backup plan that it almost isn't even a backup plan. It's just like a second plan. It's not the oh okay, we're gonna have to figure something out. I, for them to improve and try to get to a Super Bowl, which they're totally capable of doing, they need to have a scenario where, you know, first quarter Henry's rushed twenty times, but he's gotten thirty yards or something. Where it's like ah, uh, not great. They need to have a scenario where they can go. All right, we've got an offensive plan for Tannehill. And that's a key part. I think they need to keep Tannehill. That actually works and goes, okay, we have Henry, who is this great running back, but we also have an equally great quarterback play style. Um, And I think that was sort of called out against the Chiefs that not that they were awful when they had to go to Tannehill, because they weren't. It's just they played the Chiefs, who were an amazing football team. But the game would have been much closer if they had a plan that was a little bit more sound. Yeah, do you think that's, uh, like, for me, that's probably comes down to as well, you know, a, a weapons um, a weapons issue, you know, you need to get some more guys involved. I think they had Adam Humphreys and they had, uh, as I said, Brown. Um, you know, I feel like they could stand to gain another wide receiver, mm. another top quality wide receiver. Yeah. Um, I had... That that same sort of thought that that bringing in a wide receiver in this draft would be good. I also wondered whether they could bring in another uh, player to help on the defensive side of the ball, particularly in the in the element of the pass rush, trying to put more pressure on the quarterback. Yeah. Um, I wondered if it was actually quite possible to do both of those things in this draft. This is a draft that is packed full of wide receiving talent. Yeah. There's, there's a possibility that you could take a first round uh, pass rush talent mm. and then still get, you know, essentially a first round talented wide receiver in the second round. Mm-hmm. I don't have their draft order or anything in front of me. Yep. Um, and obviously going to be picking sort of more towards the bottom of yep. each round. But I, I think that's an achi- that that's something you could achieve. You don't have to take a wide a first round wide receiver to get a first round wide receiver in yeah. this draft because there are so many of them. Um, and when you're a team like the Titans, you know you've got a lot of talent at a lot of the other positions already. So mm. unlike other teams who might go, oh my god, we need to we need a plug and play left tackle or we need a, you know, the Titans have a remarkably even and well-built team and, and they're they're sort of at a, at a luxury spot in some ways that they can now add value. Yeah. Um, they're not trying to get back to a, a baseline. Mm. So I think I'd say that. Definitely let's add an, a wide receiver yeah. from this class and, and maybe let's try and add something to, to force a little bit more pressure and a few more turnovers mm. on defense. Well, well there are rumors that um, Stephon Diggs might be out of the Vikings. Or we'll do it in the do it in trade. Mm, Get there, there are little rumors swirling around. Okay. I I don't think it's gonna happen. But if there's any player that is gonna go, it might be Stephon Diggs. Just because again, it's all rumors. And like who knows what to, Yeah, it seems yeah. like there are su- some issues. But I don't know. There's a part of me that go. I'd be happy either way because Stephon Diggs is a great player. So I'd be happy if we keep him. But also be happy if we get rid of him because I don't know if he's a great influence. 
on the, on, on the team and the player and the players around him. There's definitely some stuff there that is like I said, the Vikings are one of the most befuddling stories to me in the whole of the NFL. They have a, a very talented roster. I thought that they they were in a position where they should have won the NFC North this season. Mm. I don't think I don't know how they lost twice to that Packers team. Mm. Um, for me, I think this is a massive year for the coaching staff because they've had this team in position to do things. Twenty twenty is the year. Yeah. If we it's 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 a funny thing to go like, oh, if we don't get the Super Bowl, it's all worth nothing. But with the team that we have and the coaches we have, mm. if we don't make it to the Super Bowl, I think it will be underwhelming to say the very least because it's really where we should be. Mm. I don't see how we can... And, you know, it, it's not like anything less... Like, if we got to the conference championship and lost, like... That would still be great, mm. but in terms of our potential, it seems like that would not be enough. Well, different teams are in different modes, and I think the Vikings for the last handful of years have been in the mode where our talent, our roster is good enough, mm. our roster is strong enough. You're not going, oh my god, we have gaping holes. And like... we don't even have a tough division. Like We have the Packers, but the Lions aren't, <laughs> aren't going to be that and... powerful, and the Bears are like, yeah, maybe... And that's the thing, you know, like, the, the, you don't know, you know, the, the Bears who won the division in 2018, you know, obviously they fell off a cliff a bit this year, but who's to say they don't turn that back around mm. and get that defence back to where it was with another year under, um, oh, I can't think of his name now, who used to coach the, the Colts, who's there now, I can't for a life of me think of his name. Um, but anyway, they've got that guy, he'll be in his second year coordinating the mm. defence, Maybe they figure something out with Trubisky, or maybe they bring someone else in to compete for the job. Yeah. Who knows? The Packers this year were not very good, and they still managed to go thirteen and three. Yeah. So what if they improve? You know, yeah, an, yeah. an average Packers team beat you twice. What if they find improvement? Like you don't. We talk all the time about don't waste your window. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it is a big year for the, for the Vikings, and it's probably time that they put, they put it all together. Um, because if not, you start to end up in a situation where you know, the core of your team is starting to get a little older. Yeah. You're starting to having to pay through the nose to keep mm-hmm. all these superstars together. And even um, more just yeah. a mental confidence thing of going, mm. maybe this just isn't going to happen for us. As a, as a player in that mm. team, if you're someone who's been there for a while, if you're an Adam Thielen or if you're a mm. Kyle Rudolph, if you don't go really deep mm. into the playoffs, I feel like there's a big confidence mm. drainer right there that you as a quite experienced player with that team, you start to go, maybe we're just not destined to be there and I'm not going to play in the Super Bowl. And that would have a big impact on how well you play. Who did they lose to in the last game of the season? Not the not playoffs, but in the regular season. They lost the Bears. Bears. But it was, we they dropped everyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the game before that was the Packers loss, which was awful. So that's, yeah, it's it's really interesting, like, as, as a team, anyway, we should probably move on and talk about the other yeah. player, but, you know, think about if you beat, you beat the Lions twice, but you lost twice to the Bears and twice to the Packers, and mm. I get one was without your starters, but they did lose to the yeah. Packers early in the year, and I'm almost certain that that was when Chase Daniel was quarterbacking for the yep. Bears. So it's, it's really interesting, in a division that I think that, you know, your opponents aren't that great. Mm. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting year, it's anyway. Fascinating. Stefan Diggs is interesting. If the Titans could add him, that would be a big, a big add because yeah. I feel like he's exactly the kind of threat yeah, that yeah. they need to add. 
Of course, then we flip over to the NFC side of the football. The Packers travelling to San Francisco to take on the 49ers. I'll tee this up by saying this was an absolute obliteration, an excavation into the soul of Green Bay, and what was found was brittle and easily broken. The fossilised remains of... Aaron Rodgers' once glowing career. <laughs> it's over. It's done. It's done. No. Um, this was a. This was to me a finding out. This we found out what this Packers team really was this year, and there was a lot of facade. Mm. There was a lot of illusion as to how did they get to thirteen and three or whatever it was that they finished on. You know, there's oh well, they they're a thirteen and three team. They won their division. They've won their way to the conference championship. They've got Aaron Rodgers. They've got this. They've got that. And what we actually found out was that they didn't have a lot outside of those com- key components. And Rodgers at quarterback, Devontae Adams at wide receiver. Um, this was a team that ultimately lacked the substance required to go up against Kyle, the assassin Shanahan, and his League of Shadows. From San Francisco, uh, I thought this was as an, as embarrassing a championship loss, championship game loss, as they come. Your initial thoughts? While it was a fairly, you know, boring game to watch, I couldn't help but have a giant grin on my face as a Vikings fan to see the Packers exposed as the frauds that they truly are. (laughs) I have said every episode on this podcast that I've featured in, I've made an effort to point out that the Packers were going to fall and be shown that they're not actually a 13-3 and team. They don't deserve to be 13-3, and and the fact that they won the division is an utter travesty. And finally, I have proof as to how underwhelming the Packers are when Aaron Rodgers is the man that he truly is. Now, I would say that that casts some scepticism over the whole NFC North division because the 49ers <laughs> handled the Vikings pretty easily the week before. We're not going to talk well. about that again. We're not going to um, talk about that. Yeah, this is a third... Yeah. Um, I, but in all seriousness, and let's not yep. go on to the NFC North, but that does it does... Raise questions about particular um, strengths of division. For instance, on the AFC side, you look at the AFC South with the Titans and the Texans both making playoffs. Mm. That division is a rock fight every year between you know three, sometimes four teams. You know, mm-hmm. at, at, at fairly at a fairly late point in the season, you still had the Colts, the um, Titans, and the Texans all mm. vying. Yeah, yeah. Uh, even at one point, only maybe three or four weeks from the end of the season, the Texans and Titans were still vying for the division. Yeah. But then you have the flip side of that, where you have divisions like the NFC North, where you go the Packers, the Vikings, the Bears, and the Lions. <laughs> but, you know, but ultimately, maybe not as strong as you think. And it's mm. so hard to judge the strength of a division um, on their wins and loss records yeah. and that sort of thing. Um because like in the South, they steal games from each other. Yeah. Uh, that was a strength for the Packers was they won so many games within their own division. I think they went... Did they go 6-0 and in their division? I, I think they beat the Bears yeah. twice, the Lions twice, the Vikings. Yeah. yeah. So there's six of their 13 games. So mm-hmm. then you go, okay, well, they went 7-3 and three out of 
division. Yeah. Um, so that was always going to be the question. Well, what about once they they bump up against these giants from from other divisions? Yeah. And we saw what happened twice with the 49ers. This is this is what blew my mind. You know, you think, well, you know, this 49ers team, you know, an utter display of dominance earlier in the season against the Packers. I think they beat them, you know, something similar, 35 to 3 or you know, something along those lines. Mm. I'm terrible at writing down scores. Yeah. Well, that's something like 35 yeah. to 3. Approximately. Yeah. But anyway, the, the 49ers blew them out the first time they played. So you think, oh, well, second time. The they'll Packers, learn. They'll, they'll learn. Out. They'll have their pride. You know, mm. Aaron Rodgers is a prideful man. I said that. I also, for the record, said that this game would appear closer than it was. Yeah. That the 49ers would get out to a lead. So not to, you know, to, well, it is to toot my own horn. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this is why you have this podcast. To toot your own That's horn. right. This is basically a platform to say I'm right. Yeah. Uh, no. <laughs> but how did they not fix anything? Mm. Because the same thing happened possibly worse. Um, ultimately, the 49ers win this game 37-20. to 20. But they were up 27 to nothing at halftime. Mm. Uh, Where was this Packers defense that the media kept saying, oh, they're going to come up strong, their stats are great, just wait, they're going to have a great game? I think a lot of, it's interesting a lot how many narratives are set uh, and, and set so deeply from, say, the first month or even the first week of the season. A lot of this Packers defense talk came from week one against the Bears mm-hmm. where the Packers... You know, I think they won seven to three or something like that. Yeah. Or you know, against the Bears and their defense gave Mitch Trubisky red flag alert. Yeah, trouble. This is the thing. There was this narrative said that oh, the Packers of their defense, mm. oh, the men from the north. But who did they do it against? Yeah, you know what I mean. Uh, there's games against the Cowboys I can think of where the Packers raced out to these the early leads against the Cowboys in Dallas. The Cowboys race right back. I never really felt this season that the Packers, and there's probably a podcast if you want to dig it up where I have said, oh, the Packers' defense is so good. So if you want to make me sound like a hypocrite, you can. People are allowed to change, right? Yes. Um, but I really do think the narrative around this Packers' defense was set early in the season, mm-hmm. and it didn't change from no. then. It's sort of like the Patriots, you know, the... They start 8-0 or whatever it was, and, and we have this narrative set that, oh, the Patriots look better than they have at you know, any other time. And that carries on and carries on until finally they, they get knocked in the playoffs and go, we go, oh, maybe they weren't as good as we yeah. thought. Well, yeah, when you play like the Miami Dolphins and the New York Jets, you know, to open up your, your run at the start of the season. Um, we'll ignore the fact that they thumped the Steelers 33-3 to three or whatever it was in the first yeah. game of the season. I mean, that doesn't, you know... Um, but the, the point is, I think the narrative around the Packers' defense was set early, and, and, and we just never altered our expectations. But conversely, they put up a goose egg in the first half of a conference championship game. Yep. And that is not good enough. Especially with someone like Aaron Rodgers. Whatever weapons you have. And, you know, you can say, oh, what weapons did he have? Well, he's got Devontae Adams. Mm-hmm. Yep. He's got, um, you know... Yeah, you know, uh, quite a good set of running backs, and you're Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, like at a certain point, you know, you you are one of the highest paid quarterbacks in the league. You're renowned as being, you know, one of the best to ever play the position. Mm-hmm. That's uh, something that gets thrown around a lot. And ultimately, they couldn't get it done. And 
look, again, this is rec- reckless speculation and just flagrant assumption because it's stuff that I don't know. All I'm looking at is what I see on the field, what I see on the sideline. I don't, I don't have any um, context or I don't know what happens in the rooms. Or... The problem for me with Aaron Rodgers in this game was that you are the leader of the team. Mm. I get the different people have different personalities and we can't hold everyone to the same expectation. Well, we can. You're the quarterback. Yeah. You're the quarterback. And while you don't have to give speeches, and you have to bring an energy to the field when your team is trailing that says, we're getting back in this. Mm. Aaron Rodgers just looked pissed. Yeah. He looked, he looked fed up. He looked like he didn't want to be there. The shoulders are slumping. The chin strap's getting ripped off the helmet. He's sulking. It's not the energy that said to me, well, these guys are going to get back in it. Yeah. You just seem pissed. Yeah. And, 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 how, and that's how the rest of the team felt. Exactly. Well, and well, that's if you're the Packers, solving. if you're on that team, if you're a receiver, you're a running back, you're on defense, offense, whatever, you're looking at your quarterback to go, what is our energy? Mm. What are we, how are we going to play? If you're looking at Mahomes and how he acted... Let's uh, go! With, with 20... With, <laughs> That's the best impression I've ever heard. With, when they're down 24 nothing, You look at Mahomes, right? And, he, and he's showing the energy of he is frustrated, but with a, like a positive spin of, but we can do this. Yes, but we've got the players. Let's just go and win this. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers just looked like he had enough. And he, he almost looked like... Someone spat in his milkshake. Yes. He looked as if... He, he looked at his team and went... You guys aren't letting me play well. It was almost like, what are you guys doing? As opposed to, I'm going to take this, take this responsibility. Let's go ahead and win this game. And they, I, we were talking about franchise quarterbacks before. Hmm. We thought he was this franchise quarterback that can go. All right, we're down. I'm going to take you guys on my back. We're going to win this game. And that game just showed that maybe he isn't. Maybe he has. Not that he's no longer a good quarterback, but maybe he isn't the kind of quarterback that he has been in the past. I think it's a really good point you bring up that there's a level of disdain that's been displayed this year from Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers to, I don't have the weapons to do what I want to do. Look, at a certain point, you're, particularly in the case of Rodgers, because I'm pretty sure he's paid vastly larger sums than Tom Brady is, Mm. where you got to put your big boy pants on, you know, and, and go get the W. And, 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 you know, it's not like you've got nobody. Devontae Adams, again, yeah. is, a, is a legitimate target. And yes, you could always have more weapons. But the thing is, people have done more with less. Um, but I have noticed it from those two quarterbacks in particular. Tom Brady does not strike me as the sort of t- quarterback I'd want to play under this season. Yeah. I don't know what he's been like in previous seasons, mm-hmm. but they both seem like grumpy old men. Yeah. Who these kids can't get it done. Well, and and this can be applied to life in general. Yes. But, and I say it all the time at work. <laughs> nothing good comes from just complaining. Yeah. Just complaining gets you nowhere. Well, actually, in a way, it doesn't. It actually makes it worse because mm. you're you're planting seeds of doubt mm. and frustration and disappointment, as opposed to you know fight and positivity and strength. Mm. Aaron Rodgers, as a an experienced 
leader should be taking that opportunity to go. He should be having the sort of... I don't know. I, I, he should be having the attitude that Kirk Cousins had early in the season where he went, you know what? I haven't been playing well. I haven't been throwing well to my receivers. I'm going to correct this. And he did, and Kirk Cousins did really well. And I think that Cousins has a lot of flaws. As a Vikings fan, I can admit that he has some areas that makes him not mm. an elite quarterback. But that aspect of him is some of, is mm. one of the best in the entire league. Mm. And that's when you needed, as a Packers fan or as a Packers player, you needed that sort of a character trait in Aaron Rodgers. And we just did not see it. And Matt LaFleur talked about the team not playing, you know, quote, with its hair on fire. I just don't see how that can come as a surprise when Aaron Rodgers frequently just scowls and simmers. He's more pissed off than mm. passionate. So... It's the Packers fan pretty close. Yeah, really, yeah, we're about to get taken out by yeah. Matt LaFleur's drone strike. Um, how can... Yeah, so, so who lifts this team? And, and in different games, I get If you're locked in a really cerebral, tactical match, or, or say just a quarterback gunfight, mm. I back Rodgers in those situations. Yeah. You know, let's go and outsling the other team. But what was happening to this team was they were just being physically brutalized by mm. the 49ers. And they needed someone to bring the fire back to the team to go, hey, go out and punch them in the mouth. Yeah. You know, let's stop. And again, all this might be movie stuff. Maybe no teams do that. I, I find that hard to believe that no teams um, use emotional motivation to get themselves physically ready for a game. I thought Zadarius Smith was going to do that on the defense. Mm. I thought if there was a player who was going to step up in that sort of passion, emotion mm. point, I thought that he would get a, get a good sack and mm. go, let's go, boys. Mm. But even that didn't really show up. Well, and, and you know, I think it's a... And, you know... This is the thing where I'm fully prepared to praise Aaron Rodgers whenever I see him do mm. something great and, yep. and, you know, almost to a fault at times, mm-hmm. you know, where these players, we praise them irrespective of their, you know, that they're playing on uh, credit. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, this is not a great look when you look, you just lost to a team where their quarterback attempted only eight passes. Jimmy G went six of eight for 77 yards. It was Raheem Mostert that ripped the heart out of the Packers with, uh, he, now he's bounced around as many as I think seven NFL franchises yeah. in his career. Well, he dropped an atomic bomb on the Packers as he rushed for 220 yards on 29 carries, averaging 7.59 yards per carry and a whopping four touchdowns. What was interesting looking at his figures was that most of its longest run was 36 yards, which m- makes the point that this wasn't just a running performance built on a couple of big runs. Yeah that padded out his stats. This was just a consistent pounding, and Green Bay simply took it. Mm. They didn't stand up and, and punch back. You know, I, I get that in the second half, they outscore the 49ers, but that, for me, was was points scored in junk time. The whole second half was junk yeah. time. Yeah. You're down 27 to nothing on the road in a championship game. How do you let it get there? This was a game that lulled me to sleep at the time when the Packers were on the field, but mm. ultimately has left me feeling really angry about the fact that, one, and I, I mean, this is no disrespect to, to you as a Minnesota fan, but New Orleans Saints, don't be arrogant and handle your business. Mm-hmm. 
Now you get a you get a divisional a wild card weekend playoff game in your building against Minnesota. As I say, it's no disrespect to yeah. Minnesota, but I think that Sean Payton and Drew Brees and Alvin Kamara and uh, all those guys in your own building, you should have found a way to win that game. Mm-hmm. I think for much of the season, they should have found a way to beat the 49ers in the Superdome in that 46-48. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And in which case, we wouldn't even be talking about yeah. that. Mm-hmm. I don't know how the Packers got there, but they did. But they were embarrassed. Yep. This is as bad a, bad a loss as I've seen a team have in the conference championship game. And the 49ers simply had their way with the Packers. Kyle mm-hmm. Shanahan totally out-schemed the opposition in this game. And he's out-schemed the opposition in the playoffs. Yeah. His play calling and this system, the runs that they dial up, the holes that they, they ripped into that Packers D-line, mm-hmm. you could drive a semi-truck through it. Yeah. You know. Insane. It, they almost looked at the Titans and what they did against the Ravens mm. and went, let's do that. And they did it better than the Titans yeah, did let's against do that. the Chiefs. Put on steroids. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, and and I just the Packers to me this season have felt and this is a really like let's just tear the Packers, mm-hmm. but they have seemed soulless. Yeah, there hasn't seemed any sort of fire in them. They haven't been particularly fun to watch. Um, I haven't really known what their identity is on offense. I haven't really known what their identity is on defense either. Mm, yeah. They've kind of been this team that somehow found their way to 13-3. and three and um, They're the team that if they made it to the Super Bowl, you'd feel like it wasn't deserved. Like, mm. And they could have. Like They could have had a good game against the 49ers. Even then, I would still feel like, what did they do that... Like, the Saints... Who lost in the wild card round deserve to be in the Super Bowl more than the Packers would, and yet the Packers got further in. That is a worrying sign. To me, too, this this was a case of like, how do you say it? Well, one in terms of their division, you know, you go six and zero in your own division. Maybe mm. that says to you that you know, your division isn't as strong as you think it is. Mm. It's also... I've lost my train of thought on it, but but just a really disappointing performance, I Mm. I think. And, you know, you find your way to a 13-3 record, I'm not exactly sure how. Yeah. I don't know how. They, they, They piece these things together... In spots, they just get enough. That's what the point was. I knew I'd come yep. back to the tra- it. The train came <laughs> back into the station. I think if the Seahawks have Rashad Penny and Chris Carson healthy in the running game, and you're not rolling in with Homer and Marshall and Lynch mm. um, the week before, I think the Seahawks would have beaten the Packers. Oh, yeah. Um, well, they almost did. Russell Wilson almost <laughs> came. Russell Wilson, even though they didn't win the game, Russell Wilson did with the Seahawks what Aaron Rodgers should have tried to do with the 49ers and come back with some proper strength. Yeah, and and I, I absolutely think that the, this Seahawks team, um, you know, we look back on them now probably more critically than we could have this season. <clears throat> they really, they got, they got banged by the football gods in a big spot. Yeah. You know, to lose both of your running backs when you're the fourth best running team yeah. in, the, in, the, in the league. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, and... 
this 49ers team, they beat them once yeah. and almost beat them the other time. Yeah. You know? So, I, Well, I, even going back to the game against the Packers, it, it's looking into the future, something that didn't happen, so mm. lots of things could happen. But they, the Seahawks were driving down the field late in the fourth quarter and trying to win the game. And the Packers pretty much won the game with a good sack, I think on third, maybe even fourth down, on Russell Wilson. But if they didn't get that sack, which is entirely likely considering how well Russell Wilson can escape that pocket, I feel like the Seahawks would have won that game. It was just a really good call, and they got the sack. Great. But it wasn't as if the Packers went, we're going to handle these fellas. The Seahawks really could have won that game. There's also the question of that third down completion, you know, and... Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I just think that, yeah, ultimately the Seahawks got banged by injury. The Packers, I don't know how they did it, but the, the I really felt that we saw the golf in class. Because it's not just one off. Mm. This is what the 49ers did to them the first time around, yeah. too. So I think there's a lot to work on for this um, Green Bay Packers team. Obviously, we've been mainly focused on the Packers, but again, like the Chiefs, we're going to have next episode to yeah. dedicate entirely to the 49ers mm. and the Chiefs because they now are our Super Bowl locks. Mm-hmm. So before we cast this Packers team into the wilderness of the off-season, let's walk them into the room of improvement. What would you, what would you work on in the room of improvement if you've got to get the hammer and nails out or the saw mm-hmm. or the... Uh, the angle grinder. Yep. What's what's happening with Green Bay to get them back here or further next year? I would nail in a good backup quarterback because I think Aaron Rodgers' time is nearly up. I think what they need to do is... I don't know if we talked about it recording or not, but yep. we were talking about having someone like Joe Burrow come into a team mm. but kind of being mentored by an older, more experienced quarterback. I think that's what the Packers need to do. Don't cut Rodgers or any of that because he's still a fairly talented quarterback. Oh, he's actually a really good quarterback. Just in certain instances this season, he hasn't really shown up where he normally would. But of all the quarterbacks in the league, he's probably like definitely in the top 10. So he's still a really good quarterback. But I think that they need to find someone in the draft that can be mentored by Rodgers this coming season, and then move on. That's how what does, I think. How does Rogers strike you as a willing mentor of a young man? Yeah, not really. <laughs> not really, but that's what they need to do, though. Get that off is what my they... lawn! Exactly, but maybe that's what they need. As I think as much as, they, as much as Aaron Rodgers won't want to do that, in my estimation of looking at them, that's what I think they need to do. Because I don't know how they're going to do with Rodgers in the next few years. It's, a, it's really interesting. He's, I think he's 36, I mm. believe, off the top of my head. Um, and he's talked about wanting to play, you know, to 40. Yeah. Like the Brady thing. I think he may even have implemented the, the Tom Brady diet and all that sort of mm. thing. Look, I think it's really interesting. And you, you never know with quarterbacks, as we, we talked off air. Yeah about, you know, my concerns about Ben Roethlisberger at the Steelers and, and the fact that, you know, these careers, these Hall of Fame careers can go down the tube quick. Yeah. For, for a variety of reasons. Big Ben is an injury factor. Yeah. We don't know how his body is going to respond to rehab 
and, and how he's going to come back. It could be that he just drops off a cliff and is never the same again. Yeah. And then the Steelers, in their current makeup, are kind of screwed mm. at quarterback. Um, you've heard my fantasies about who we could maybe bring yeah. in, but I'm not going to speak it on air yes. because I don't want to, you know, jinx it. Um, but I, th- I think, you know, there, there is some... The quarterback position is hard, mm-hmm. you know, because Ro- Aaron Rodgers, in the same way that Ben Roethlisberger uh, last year when we... When, when the Steelers drafted Mason Rudolph, he said, I don't really... I, and again, I'm paraphrasing. I don't get it. You know, I thought we'd maybe bring in guys who could help us win now. Mm. These guys don't want competition. Yeah. It's not my job to mentor them. Yeah. It's kind of the thing. It's a really hard thing and you have to have, I think, that level of, to an extent, ego and self-interest mm-hmm. and... and because ultimately, these teams will kick you to the curb as quickly yep. as they want. Mm. You know, I think that's the reality. It's a cold business. And Rogers and the, and quarterbacks at the elite level want to look out, look out for themselves because, you know, as soon as you show loyalty to a team, well, the team may not show the same loyalty yep. to you once mm-hmm. things change. So I, I get it. But at the same time, I'm with you. I would add... A sense of a greater sense of identity, and you know, I think you've got to look at in the same vein as the Titans. I think you know, I think you need to add another legitimate receiving mm-hmm. weapon, and I don't know if that's a tight end or if that's a, a wide receiver or both, if you can. But I know there's a there are a lot of wide receivers in this draft. I'm wondering if they need to get someone who has speed and quickness in the open field. Someone who Rogers can get the ball out of his hands quickly Yeah. to a guy who can get yards after the catch. Mm-hmm. So kind of a, a yak weapon. Um, but, you know, there's a lot... I think there's a lot to work on. If you... For instance, if, if the 49ers had have gone out or the Chiefs or, you know, whoever it is... Well, well I suppose it's a little bit like we talk about the Titans... I don't think they have to change a heck of a lot yeah. to get back. Because I think what they cottoned on to in the second part of the season gave them a blueprint. I think the Packers have a lot to work on. Yeah, The Packers probably have a lot more to work on than the Seahawks, mm. than the Saints. Yeah, um, I think they are a team that, that is going to need to find more of an identity. I think they are going to need to find more playmakers, probably on both sides of the ball. Um, I think there's a lot to work on. So that's a really vague answer in a way. But I, I guess if I had to nail it down, I would I would say, well, all right, Aaron Rodgers, your goal is to play to 40. You still believe you're a top five quarterback in the league. Mm-hmm. Here's another weapon or here's another couple of offensive yeah. weapons. What can you do? Yeah, now's your chance. Yeah, because they're still invested in terms of his contract and that. But but yeah, you need to look at him and go, all right, well, what do you look like in LaFleur's offense surrounded by more talent? Yeah. And if we're still having the same problems, well, then you start to thinking thinking as a team, well, maybe we need an even bigger shift. Um, mm-hmm. But look, I, I think Rogers still has that ability, but I don't think this year was a great a great look. I don't think this year we saw the best. We we saw the best in small patches, mm. and that I think is my biggest issue probably with with the play of the Packers and specifically with their quarterback. There was too big a gap between 
his elite level throws, and then often just bailing on plays. I'm going to yeah. throw the ball away. I'm going to throw the ball into the ground because uh, I don't want to risk. I don't want to risk. Ta- and this is something yeah. that's crept into his game. You know, there's a there's a risk factor of I don't one I don't want to throw boring passes. Yeah. Two I don't want to throw. You know I don't want to increase my chance of throwing interceptions. Yeah. Sometimes, he wants to keep that nice yeah, touchdown. Yeah, like sometimes you got to cut it loose. Yeah. Not to the extent that Jameis Winston cuts <laughs> it loose, but you know to the that's ex- cutting way too loose yeah. and it's off the cliff. <laughs> it's, yeah, but yeah, anyway, I, I was very disappointed with this game with the Packers in general. I I, I just kept expecting them to mm. find something during the season. I don't know, it's a weird thing to say about a team that went thirteen and three yeah. and made the championship game, but ultimately I come away with just a really it's like fairy floss. Yeah. You can't, oh, this all oh, it's gone. Yeah. Yeah. So that's my thoughts on the Packers. Yes, it's true. Well, that concludes this episode mm-hmm. of the JBFE. I nailed it, Mum. Yes. Um, we'll be back next week, hopefully promptly, uh, to preview one of the more exciting Super Bowl matchups. Um, in recent memory, we're just discussing the uniform uh, matchup, which we've got our optimal result with the Chiefs to wear their red and the 49ers to wear the white. I it'll, think it'll be a visually appealing Super Bowl if, if anything if else. Nothing else. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll tell you what, was an, uh, the, the, the Patriots Eagles was an ugly uniform matchup back in 2017. I think uh, Patriots Rams was okay last year, but. Uh, uh, yeah. We nah, do a whole podcast yeah, on every uniform, Super Bowl yeah. uniform matchup. <laughs> I think this one is pretty good, and I think even in terms of the teams, this is a pretty yep. damn good matchup. Mm. Um, so we'll be back to preview all of that, and obviously we've got the off season yes. rapidly approaching, and we're gonna. We I don't see us needing to slow down on content. We've got nah. lots to cover. We've got the draft. We're gonna speed up. We're going to produce even more content. That's right. It's going to just come at you thick and fast. The only reason we do content during the season is just to prepare for what we do during the, the off-season. Off- that's right. The season is our off-season. Yeah. The off-season is our season. Yes. Um, and a lot of cool things where we're thinking about doing. Potentially some uh, uh, Madden franchise um, adventure. Yes. Uh, possibly... I would like to do an all-star draft, so where we go back and forth and draft a team of all-stars um, from the NFL, uh, currently playing mm-hmm. NFL team. So we'll, we'll do that. We'll do all that and more draft coverage, etc. But we've got one more meaningful game of football to play. We don't count the charade <laughs> that is the Pro Bowl. Um, just make it dodgeball. Yeah. Do away. That was with, so fun. Yeah. Do away with the football game. I don't think we need it. I think, I think, just keep the skills contest. Do more of that. Yeah. More. Mm-hmm. More Ninja Warrior stuff. Yes. I like watching that. Less is more. Mm-hmm. I would say, someone put out the interesting uh, suggestion of having top high school players come and play or mm-hmm. something and, and have them coached by the NFL players or have like a week-long tournament or something yeah. played in conjunction with, I don't know. But anyway, this, I'm... It'll be fine. Yeah. It'll be fine. Just fine, though. Yeah. Just fine. But then we move on to the real stuff, the final game of the season. Yeah. The Super Bowl between the San Francisco 49ers and the Kansas City Chiefs. 
all that and more to look forward to. Thanks so yes. much for being here, Minnesota. Thank you. And we will see you next time. You've been great. We have been reasonable. It's the JBFE. Thanks so much for sticking us in your ear holes.